How many of you have ever heard, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? You've all been lied to. You get what the phrase is after. Words are not going to break your bones. But how many of you have been hurt by words? How many of you have been encouraged by words? Words are a powerful tool, if you think about it, that can be used for construction or destruction. Some of you have heard this story before. I'll tell it again. Some of you haven't. Bear with me if you've heard it before. I had taken a route through college that I don't recommend of going through many different majors. You, you, you decide you're going to do one major, you don't like it, you do another major, you don't like it, you do another major, you don't like it. I go into my advisor's office and my advisor says to me, you dropped out of your last major last semester, you've got to pick another major. You have to have a major. I said, okay, uh, what should I major in? My advisor looked at me with a grin on his face and he said, you need to major in English. In the pridefulness of my own heart, I thought he had recognized some great skill and writing ability and thought I had a great future as an author or a speaker. And so I, as he smiled, signed the form, and then he kind of laughed as he took it out of my hand and, and signed it and told me where to take the form. And I go into my first upper-level English class. It's a small class. There's about nine of us sitting in a semicircle, and I had read the material, and, and I was prepared for the class, and the teacher, I got to class a little later than some of the rest, so, so I'm sitting right here. The teacher is right beside me. I mean, I'm at the front of the class. There's nine people. You can't hide in a nine-person class. Can I get a witness right? You can't hide if your class is that small. You, you have to do your work. So the teacher looks at me and says to me, what did you think of the reading last night? The book was Critical Theory Since Plato. I read it, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about, but I read it, and so I looked at the teacher and I said, I think he done a good job. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, done is not the right grammatical, we'll talk about that later. So the teacher looks back at me with this stern look and says, he did. I said, I'm glad you think so too. <laughs> I, I didn't know what was going on here. She proceeded to correct my grammar about three more times in three sentences in a row. And I quickly understood that words were getting me in deeper and deeper trouble, and I'd be better off if I just kept my mouth shut for a while. On the other side of the classroom, there was a guy. I still remember who he was, and I remember where he was sitting, and I remember what he said. He probably doesn't remember any of this. But he said, he's doing it on purpose. Nobody could be that stupid. Now, let's see, that was probably 1995. And I remember those words piercing through my soul like a sharp sword, as though it were yesterday. And here I stand as president of your university. Aren't you excited about that? <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's okay. So I didn't know what was going on. I was embarrassed. My face turned so red. I started sweating. You, you've, you've been there before where you, you can't leave, but goodness, if you could click your heels and go back to Kansas, you would be there in a moment, right? And so I slumped down in the seat. I you know, put my hand up. I tried to play it off like I was vanilla ice with some cool gangster type thing or something, but it wasn't happening. Everybody knew I was just thoroughly embarrassed. Class went on. I don't remember another word that was said. By the time the class was over, I was the first one out the door around the corner. The teacher stormed out and went around to her office. 
like a, like a spy, I snuck around and followed the teacher. When I got to the teacher's office, that I saw her go in, I come to the teacher's office and I knock on the door on the side and I peek my head around the corner and the teacher's furious. She thinks I've done all this on purpose. Class clown, cutting up, disrespectful. She looks at me and she says, without anything else, sit down. I'm in trouble. So I sat down and I said, can you tell me what happened? Now at that moment, this teacher held in her hands the balance of my academic future. She could have looked at me and said, you're an idiot, get out of here, you can't cut it. But instead she looked at me with words and said, you really don't understand, do you? I said, I don't have a clue. She explained subject verb agreement and she told me these words. You're not dropping the class, I won't sign the form. You're gonna be an English major. And for the next two years, I would receive notes or reprimands every week of all the English rules I had violated in my upper level English classes <laughs> so that I could go look up the rules that I had broken and still do break on occasion. At least now I know when I'm breaking them better. And so for two years, I did this. Every paper I wrote for two years, I would get back C, mandatory rewrite, B, mandatory rewrite, and then usually an A at the end of the third paper. And this was, I was, the, I was the whole department's project. They all knew about me and they all did this in every single class. And I am convinced they had a meeting and got together and said, we're gonna have some fun with this guy. <laughs> and I understood, I understood what the deal was. So I would write my paper early, I would have it done, I would turn it in, I would already be working on the second draft because I knew I was gonna have to rewrite it at least three times. So I had factored this into my syllabus schedule through the whole semester. I knew what was gonna happen. And I'll never forget at the end of my senior year, I had already written the second draft of this paper and I get the paper back and at the top of the paper, the paper said, A, you're ready for graduate school. I'll never forget those words. And if it weren't for a teacher, that invested kind words of grace and encouragement in somebody that shouldn't have made it to try to help me succeed, I wouldn't be standing here today. Our words can be constructive or destructive. The book of Proverbs, as we continue with our Way of Wisdom series, has a lot to say about our words as does the New Testament version of the book of James. So my main idea out of the book of Proverbs today is that our words should be constructive words of grace and not destructive words of selfishness. Now let me unpack this as the main idea. Our words should be constructive words of grace. We can use our words to lift people up, to build people up. We can encourage them with things that they do well, with things that they succeed in, or we can use our words to tear people down. And usually when we use our words to tear people down, it's because we're careless and we're not thinking about what we're saying. It's because we're angry or we're stressed out and we fly off at the mouth when we'd be much better off just to keep our mouths closed and not say anything. Or perhaps it's because we wanna build ourselves up so we're so focused on our own self-identity or our own selfishness that it actually feels good to us to put somebody else down and then say to ourselves, I'm glad I'm not as bad off as that person. And that focus of pushing others down so that we can push ourselves up is a self-centered, prideful arrogance that is rooted in evil and the devil himself. 
because he is the accuser. He is the father of lies. He is the one that seeks to tear down and destroy. Whereas God is the God of grace. God is the God who loves us despite the wickedness and evilness in our hearts. And so when our words are words of constructive grace, we lift others up and demonstrate Christ in our own lives. When our words are destructive words of selfishness, we are emulating the evil one. So let us be guarded. Let us be wise. As we look at these verses, let us think to ourselves, how can we use the words that God has given us? A gift. This gift of communication, like animals, other animals can't communicate to advance society and technology and build up upon knowledge upon knowledge. They don't go to universities to study the history of knowledge. These words allow us to communicate. These words also are the thermometer of our hearts, the very thermometer of our soul, that as our words come out of our mouths, out of the overflow of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, we get a glimpse into our own souls. And too often, we don't like what we see. We'll come back to that towards the end. Our main text for the day, we're gonna jump around a lot, but our main text for the day is Proverbs chapter 26, verses 17 through 28. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 17 through 28. Now, if you're sitting here in the audience and you're wondering, boy, this is, this is gonna be a bad day. I'm not careful with my words. Let me say this to you. We all inherited a sinful nature from Adam and Eve. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all exhibit words that come out of our mouths that are not representative of the gospel because our hearts need to be changed. And that's why we rely on the gospel of the cross. That's why we repent and believe. And that's why we have to have the Holy Spirit living within us. And that's why even back to Bible conference, daily we must be killing sin or it will be killing us so that every day we wake up and we renew our minds so that we will not be conformed to the world, but we'll be transformed by the word of God as we read it through the power of the Holy Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the flesh so that our words may be words of life and not words of destruction. So if you're here and you know your words sometimes are not what they need to be, welcome, because all of us are in the same boat because all of our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know them? And that's why the gospel is such glorious good news to all of us, as the Lord changes our heart each and every day. Would you stand as we read Proverbs chapter 26, verses 17 through 28? Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is the quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel or fervent lips with an evil heart, 
Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. But when he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. For whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims. Dear Lord, I pray today that you would help us to be more guarded in what we say, to use words of grace rather than words of destruction. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. Our first point for today coming from this text is that we must have wisdom in our words. Look at verse 17. Wisdom in our words, verse 17 says to us, whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like the one who takes a passing dog by the ears. If we have wisdom, there are times that we will not get involved in certain situations. There are times when we will keep our mouths quiet. We will keep our mouths closed. And so here this word meddles literally means to show oneself angry, to become excited, to flare up. He who inserts himself as a busybody or she who inserts herself as a busybody into a situation that's not your own inflects drama into everyone's life. Why do you do this? Why is it that we meddle? Sometimes we meddle because we think we can fix anything. What's going on between the two of you? I'm, me and my great wisdom will solve your problems because you can't seem to get your act together and we insert ourselves into the middle of drama. That is pride. That is an arrogance that inserts yourself into a situation because you think highly of yourself and meddling in that situation is described as taking a dog by the ears. Now, I have two dogs. I love my dogs. My dogs are great dogs. You can come over to my house and you can grab my dog by the ears. Don't pull too hard. But you can grab my dog by the ears and you'll be just fine. The dogs in this day were not dogs like Duchess and Jacket at my house. The dogs in this day were wild dogs. These were dogs more like jackals. Think of it more like grabbing a coyote or a wolf by the ear as it's passing by in front of you. You grab the wild dog by the ear, what happens? You get bit. You insert yourself into a hostile situation, somebody else's situation, and what the text is telling you here as a proverb is that you will be injured. You will be hurt through doing this. It means we should guard our words. Words can build up constructively or destroy destructively. Let's look at what Proverbs says about guarding what we say, when we say it, and how we say it. Proverbs 13.3 says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Now, that's a good statement for us. We want to live. Guard your words. He who opens his mouth wide, his lips come to ruin. If all you do is talk, 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 that's not good. All the introverts in the room said, Amen. Actually, they didn't because they don't like to talk, so they're not going to say amen. <laughs> Proverbs 15, 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Oh, the apt answer, the wise answer is a joy, constructive words of grace. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. 
The words of the person that encourage you on the day when you are discouraged or down. They're like honeycomb. You latch onto those words. It can change your entire outlook for that day. It can change your emotions. The professor that tells you, you can make it through this class, even though it feels like you might not be able to. As, as time is rolling and finals are coming and you're worried about what happens and you go to see the profession, they put you at ease. And they say, you can do this. You're looking for that job and people are praying for you and they're saying to you, God has a plan in his time and his way. He's got this. So do you. Gracious words. Let us as a community be filled with gracious words of encouragement for one another and not destructive words of selfishness. Be slow to speak. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 says, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. This is an important proverb. Listen closely. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Have you ever walked into a room and realized everybody else in the room is smarter than you are? What do you do in that case? Keep your mouth shut and don't let them know it. This is what this proverb is telling us. Good words of wisdom here. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. He doesn't want to understand. But only in expressing his opinion. Oh, you've seen it. So have I. The person who will not stop talking, even when they know nothing about what they're talking about. It happens every night on TV. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go. We'll move on. Proverbs 21, 23. I'll come back to it later. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives vent to his spirit. I'm mad. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Society would say, go for it. Have at it. Vent. Get on Facebook and type out that paragraph that's this long that nobody's going to read because we only read three sentences anyway until we figure out you're venting. Then we might read it because we like to joy in other sorrows sometimes, and that's our sinfulness, right? Or you get on Twitter and you say something, or you post on Instagram, or you do the spiritual things that we do, and you say something really, really bad about somebody, and about halfway through you're convicted, so you end it with, bless his heart. If you're from the South, bless his heart cures everything, right? You can say anything you want. You add bless his heart to the end of it. All is okay. It's not a sin. You don't have to repent because you blessed his heart in the process, whatever that means. Or the spiritual thing we do frequently in small groups. Oh, I have a prayer request. Let me tell you about so-and-so and what they've been doing. And, oh, we need to pray for them because they are just so in the middle of a mess. And, oh, can you believe what happened to them? That's my prayer request. No, it's not. It's your gossip. It's your meddling. It's not your prayer request. You just want to spread the word to put them down so you feel better about yourself and then you're prideful in your prayer. Oh God, I thank you. I'm not like so-and-so. Come on. You know what we do. This is why we need the gospel so much. It's why we need to read our Bible so much. It's why we need the Holy Spirit to help put to death the deeds of the flesh and kill sin daily in our lives. And it's why you have to recognize your own mis missteps so that when somebody else says something that cuts you so deep, you understand it for what it is. A fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Do you see a man hasty in his words? 
there is more hope for a fool than for him. To all extroverts in the room, I apologize. But this is what the text says. To us introverts, this is another reason for us to keep our mouths closed and say nothing to you. Just not, right? Destructive words. That illness that somebody tells you won't be healed because you don't pray hard enough. It's a lie of the devil. That tragedy that you're going through. And somebody with careless words cuts you to the quick. Middle school. Just all of it. Those of you that are homeschooled, call yourself blessed. Those of you like me that went to middle school, where it was the first time that I learned I had a really large forehead, and I had been self-conscious about it ever since. It was the first time I learned that I walked with my knees in parentheses. Yes, I can fit a soccer ball in between my knees with my legs locked out. But I'll never forget the first time somebody made fun of, look how he walks. His legs aren't straight. He's bow-legged. You've been there, haven't you? And to each of you that have allowed words, evil words, sinful words, words from Satan, accusations to cut you to the quick, can I say to you this morning, even as you may be sitting here hurting, that those are not words of truth? Because we are not defined by bowed legs or big foreheads, we are defined by the fact that we are created in the image of God and that Christ Jesus died on the cross for all of us and that when you repent and believe, we are brothers and sisters in Christ and our worth and our value comes not from our physical characteristics, but it comes from those eternal things and you are worth something and you are valuable and you don't have to get good enough to come to God and you don't have to get plastic surgery so God will like you. God accepts you just the way you are and you can be saved saved just like you are, and the Holy Spirit will work in your life to make you more like Christ, you are accepted by a heavenly Father who loves you just like you are. So if, so if you had a father or a mother that cut you to the quick, or maybe they just weren't there at all, don't take that and portray it on our Heavenly Father who loves you without end, who offers grace and mercy to you and words of truth about your value. Don't listen to the lies. Don't focus on the lies. Focus on the truth. We see those who speak too much all the time. We're around them. We're in a room full of experts. We're looking at the experts and this one person keeps talking and you keep thinking, look, they know what they're talking about. I know nothing about this and you know less than I do. Be quiet and listen to the experts. I've been there. It's frustrating. Do I tell the person, you're an idiot, keep your mouth closed? No, because Proverbs tells me, keep my mouth closed. That would be rude. But I have given a speech in class before about that person. Now, I know none of you are like that. But in other institutions where I used to teach, we would have that person. That person was the person that always had their hand up first to ask a question. Their question really wasn't a question. It was a statement to show you how smart they were or how much they had been listening because they wanted everybody to hear what they had to say. If you're that person, these proverbs are for you. Keep your mouth shut and listen to the faculty member at the front teaching the class. 
If you're that person, and I could tell who that person was because you can look around at the rest of the class and every time that person raises their hand, there's four students in the back of the classroom doing this number. <laughs> if you're that person, people don't think you're smart. People think, can he not keep his hand down? Can he not close his mouth? Don't be that person. There's a whole list we could go through, but we won't. Point number two, wisdom to avoid gossip and quarreling. Jump down to verse 20 and 22 for a minute. For the lack of wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. The whisperer is the wood to the fire, the fuel to the fire. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to a fire, so is a quarrelsome man, somebody who's given to be quarreling for kindling strife. The words of the whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The word whisperer also means to murmur, to backbite, to slander, to complain, to grumble. You whisper. Why do you whisper? You're doing a low voice because you don't want others around to hear what you're saying because your words are not words that would be uplifting to all. It's the secret that I only want you to know. Why do we do this? And the habit forms in life so that some people become known as the gossip. You come to them because you know they're gonna tell you juicy gossip, which is morsels that go down and they get value in life off of this, telling other people secrets because that gives them a worth because other people come to see them to know about these secrets. So then they have to tell these secrets and the cycle just spirals out of control. And you go to that person and every time you go to that person, you're looking for the information too and it's kind of exciting and, and you think it's kind of good when in actuality, all you're doing is tearing other people down to lift yourself up, to make yourself the center of attention and there comes the selfishness with words of destruction rather than the words of grace that are constructive to lift others up. So the next time somebody comes to you with gossip, putting people down, here's what I want you to do. Hey, come on and let's go together to the person you're talking about so we can work this out together. And I think if you do that more often than not, the conversation will stop. And I think if you do that more often than not, if a person is given to gossip, they're not gonna wanna talk to you anymore. You might lose a friend, but that might not be a bad thing if all the person does is gossip and offer destructive words. Because if they're gonna gossip about somebody else, how do you know they're not going to somebody else gossiping about you? The quarrelsome person, the fuel to the fire. So if there's always drama in your life, perhaps you should look around at the common denominator and think, am I the common denominator? If you are always inserting yourselves into other people's issues and drama is always in your life and it never goes away, perhaps you need to evaluate your own life and say, am I the reason that I'm always in drama? If the common denominator is you, look in the mirror and evaluate your own life. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. We eat them and we eat them and we eat them and then they go down into our belly and before you know it, we feel sick. Proverbs 16, 28. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Why do you want to be around somebody that tells gossip and whispers and 
It's dishonest. Because they separate friends. They break friends up. They don't bring people together in community. Proverbs 18, 6 through 8, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is ruined and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body and here we see it repeated. And if it's repeated, we underline and star it because it's important. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. If you can't keep a secret, that's a problem. If you can't keep a secret, it's gonna affect you in relationships, in friendships. It's gonna affect you in your workplace. It's gonna affect you for the rest of your life. Why can't you keep a secret? I know information, I've gotta tell somebody because when I tell somebody, I become the center of attention and it's focused on you and not focused on loving others. Proverbs 17, nine. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. Oh, we know something, it's not good, but we cover the offense because we're out for love. But he who repeats the matter separates close friends. Point number three, wisdom to avoid deception. Look at verse 18 here. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. Have you ever done this? We probably do it more often with insults and sarcasm than we do with right out deception. This person in this verse is described as being deceptive and then gets caught and then says as a defense for the deception, I'm only joking, I didn't mean it. We say something sometimes with sarcasm or with insults knowing that there's a little piece of truth in every piece of sarcasm and as we say these things and we joke about it and laugh about it, I'm not realizing that somebody has gotten cut to the quick by our sarcastic, flippant words that we haven't thought through as we have been destructive in nature as we see that go forward and then we say to them, I was only joking, I didn't mean it. That's not the best way to use our words. Proverbs 26 here in our passage, verse 23 says, like the glaze covering an earthen vessel, a pot of clay, something that has been burned and killed, it's worthless, it's not worth much money, but you put glaze over something that's not worth much money so that you think it is something of value. Like a glaze covering an earthen vessel are the fervent lips with an evil heart. Yes, it is true that those who have evil hearts can sometimes fake it, and present words that make you think they're your friend, at least in private. Whoever hates, if he hates you, can disguise himself with his lips and harbor deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, don't believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered with deception, his words going out don't match his actions otherwise. His wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. When you're alone behind closed doors, the greatest person in the world, but when you're with friends, no, uh-uh, you're not. We all have been hurt by the two-faced deceptiveness of those who are not true friends to us. But this person digs a pit and eventually they will fall into their own pit. So don't be that person. This person rolls a stone that will come back on him because a lying tongue hates its victims. This text teaches us that it's from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So the real answer to our words 
It's not legalism. It's not tighter control on what we say. It's not trying harder. The real issue is to recognize that we have a wicked, sinful heart. And we need the gospel and we need the Holy Spirit and we need the life-giving words of God to transform our lives and our hearts through a process called sanctification so that the more we grow like Christ and the more our affections are focused on God, then as we focus on loving God, we too then love others and we wanna see others built up so that they will love God. So then our words become tools that we can use to encourage others, to drive them closer to God, to share the gospel with others, to spread that love. Sometimes words that challenge them over wicked, evil behaviors, but words that are spoken in love with a good desire for others to drive them to the cross to drive them back to the word of God, to drive them through the spirit to be better and to be built up. Words, constructive words of grace, not destructive words of selfishness. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 and 23 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. If you lie, you should deal with your sin. It is sin. But those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of a fool proclaims folly. Proverbs 17, seven. Fine speech is not becoming a fool. Still less is false speech to a prince. Proverbs 16, 30. Whoever winks his eye, plans dishonest things. Whoever crosses his fingers behind his back and tells lies. He who purses his lips brings evil to pass. It's not okay. There are no such things as little white lies. There are a couple of other miscellaneous items that I want to throw in here at the very end. I couldn't figure out how to fit them exactly into this text, but I think they're important for us to consider as we look at words. So Proverbs 17.5 talks about mocking or insults. Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. Have you thought about this? You mock the poor. You insult the maker of the poor. You're insulting God when you insult the poor. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. We're also commanded to defend the defenseless. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Open your mouth for the mute, for the right of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Our words then can be words used for justice and grace, words used to lift others up constructively and not words used destructively to tear others down because we're so focused on our world and our self. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21 says. And Matthew 12, 36 terrifies us all when it says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Words, they're the thermometer of our hearts. So let's work on heart change. Let's work on changing our affections so that Christ is our preeminent affection in all of life. And so that our words reflect the fact that we are pursuing Christ. Our words bleed scripture because we have read it, meditated on it, memorized it, internalized it so that we speak biblical words of grace to others. Let's love others so that we encourage them and lift them up and build them up with grace. 
And if you're here today and you're still hurting from those words that somebody carelessly uttered years ago, recognize that for what it is and don't believe the lies. You are a child of God. You are created in the image of God. And God has given us a great tool to share the gospel, to encourage others, and to build community. So let's make sure that as we go forward, we use our words as constructive words of grace and not destructive words of selfishness. Perhaps the greatest words ever uttered, Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Dear Lord, we pray that you would help us to love you well and to love our neighbors well. We pray that you would help us to focus our affections on you, to grow closer to you. And Lord, may our words exalt you and may our words encourage others. And Lord, may we recognize the sinfulness of others when they say things that hurt us and may we know that our value is not in what others think about us, not in pleasing people, but Lord, our value comes because we're created in your image. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We are adopted into the family of God. May we use our words as constructive words of grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You are dismissed.